Last week I talked to y'all, for those of you who were here, I talked to you about, that's good, y'all remember, because he loves me. We talked about the love of God, and we talked about how that we have got to get rooted and grounded in that if we're going to uh, go forward and be powerful for the Lord. It is the foundation of everything that we uh, believe and everything that we do, and the truth is, is that our faith is weak until we really get grounded in that. It really is, because we got to understand the massive uh, love that God holds for us before we can have faith for the big, big things he tells us that we can do and that we can have. Is that true? Well, there's another side to that coin, and we're going to talk about it tonight. See, last week we talked about loving God and lo- uh, loving, uh, God loving us, but to this week, let me get it out here, woo, ba 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 ba. This week, we're going to talk about the other side of that coin, which is us loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others. Now, like much of the Christian life, when we talk about this, it seems impossible. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there to you. It, it seems pretty impossible. And without God, it is. It is impossible. Let's just be honest. Our human self just can't do it. But, praise the Lord, we are not without God, are we? No, we're not. Let's look at Romans 5.5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Remember last week I said that the very nature of God has taken up residence in us that very nature is love. God is love, remember? We talked about that. And that very nature has, has been poured out in our hearts. But now that brings us to the place of, well, how do I get that? That's good, it's in my heart, but now I gotta get it to, get it to be seen out here. I gotta show it out here, right? And so how do we go about doing that? Now, when I talk to you about loving God, Most of you think, okay, that's the easy part. I got that, right? I mean, how many of y'all would say you love God? Yeah, that's the easy part, right? I mean, we go to church, we tithe, we pray, we read our Bibles. The majority of us are not out fussing, cussing, stealing, killing. At least I hope not. Certainly pray you aren't, okay? (laughs) And for the most part, For the most part, we have really good thoughts about God. I mean, why wouldn't we? He's our way maker. He's our miracle worker. He's the lover of our soul. He's the answerer of our prayers. He's an amazing God. He's loved us so intentionally and so personally that it's easy for us to feel like, man, I got the loving God part down. I really do. I really do. So... Let's talk about that. Let's look at John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Yeah, Teresa, that's what we were just talking about. I do that. I don't kill, steal, drink, cuss. You know, I go to church, I tithe, I read my Bible, I pray. Well, I wonder if there's more to it than that. Hmm. Is there more to it than that? Let's look at Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, 
Now remember, those who love me keep my commandments. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is what? Like it. The second is like that first command. I want you to hold on to that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, listen, on these two commandments, those who love me, obey my commandments. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of the law and the prophets hang on you loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Does God tie how we love others to how we love him? Yes, yes he does. As a matter of fact, and we're going to read it in a little bit, everything else that you do without love for others, he says is useless. He said it's useless. That's pretty serious. Now, we're all familiar with the story of Peter, right? We know Peter, we know Jesus was going to be crucified. And Peter had made a rash statement. He's like, Lord, no matter if everybody else, you know, they can all cave in, but I will stand by you. I will die for you. I will be there for you. And Jesus told him and said, Peter, before this night's over, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. Peter's like, no, Lord, it's not so. It's not so. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think Peter loved Jesus? Yeah, yeah I do too. He'd been walking with him. He loved him. He believed that he was the son of God, but he was human. And what happened? He, he betrayed him, right? But Jesus, after he was resurrected, he comes to Peter, and there's something really interesting that happens here. We all know that he talks to him, and, and we hear that in line with, uh, you know, Jesus restoring him and giving his commission. But I want to point something out. He comes to him, and he says, Peter, do you love me, agape? Do you, God, kind of love me? Now, Peter knows that he, he feels love for Jesus, but he knows he failed in his humanity. He knows he failed in his humanity. And so he's not willing to say, I agape you, Lord. He says this, I phileo love you. I brotherly love you. And Jesus makes immediate response. Sometimes Jesus seems to be talking about something different than what the conversation. He says, Good, Peter, go feed my sheep. And then he says it again to him. Why did he do this? Well, it was three times that he denied him, right? He says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, and he's grieved. Lord, you know I phileo you. And he knows what Peter's feeling. I want to say I agape you, but I failed. I failed. And Jesus says, phileo, brotherly love brotherly love go feed my sheep go feed my sheep what do you think Jesus is saying to him right there see I think this is a prophetic picture Jesus was God in the flesh his ministry was to come here and to die for us that was his ministry he came here for that purpose to restore us to the father 
That's what he came here. But he knows that Peter's in his humanity and Peter was not able to, to, to love him like that. But I feel Jesus has given him the key to how to love him and what he wanted for him. See, Jesus is saying to him, Peter, my ministry, I came to die for you, but your ministry is to live for me. Your ministry, the way you're going to take up your cross is you're going to live for me. And you're going to do that by loving whose sheep? My sheep. My sheep. Peter, I'm calling you to love me by loving my sheep. Your brotherly love, your human love, it's not perfect, but it's enough. I'm telling you, take it. Take it and go. Take it and go. See, there's a prophetic message in that for us. And do you know that was Peter's commission, and we know that. We also know that at that point, Jesus hadn't, uh, the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. So Peter wasn't yet endued with power from on high. Now you and I are, right? You and I, we're on a different, so we have access because it shed abroad in our heart to the God kind of love, that agape love. That's shed abroad in our heart. It's in us. We have access to it. Right? Amen? Amen. Okay. We know that we're called to love all men. Right? We, we know that. But do you know that we are especially called to love the church and our brethren in the faith? Did you know God placed special emphasis on that? Yeah, he did. Let's look at John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love who? One another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by what? By this love, by this love that you have for one another, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. These are the guys that already know Jesus and they're saved and they, you know, they're, they're his brethren. So Jesus places high priority on us loving each other. We're to love all men. We know that. We're to reach them. But listen, church, we got to get this loving each other thing down. We got to get that down. Sometimes it's a whole lot easier for us to go out there and give that sort of phileo love to all those people out there because, well, we don't have to rub shoulders with them too much, do we? Yeah, we don't have to do that. And they're not up in our space irritating the tar out of us and getting on our, in our way and aggravating us. So we're, we're, we're pretty good sometimes with that kind of just that general kind of love that don't require too much from us when we're out there. Oh, but what happens when we get in here? Woo, all right, let's talk about that for a moment, shall we? Mm-mm-mm. So, if the whole earth is going to know us by our love, we got to know what that's going to look like. All right, fasten up, boys and girls. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. Now listen, listen very carefully. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But I have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have 
all faith so that I could remove the mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my love not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is what? Let me hear it again. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked and thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Did you hear that? Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Now, I want you to read this with me. Love never fails. Love never fails. Praise the Lord. Love never fails. You know why love never fails? It's God. (laughs) Everything that you do in love is of God. Now, I'm going to talk tonight a great deal about kindness in our words. When Mary Fran was here, I don't know if y'all remember this, but for a few moments, she got really strong about the kindness thing. And she was talking to either to someone or some someones. <laughs> okay. But she had a very strong word about that. And it really spoke to me because we seem to have, we live in a society where, listen to me, there, it, it's... It, like computer screens, telephone screens, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. We, the, society feels like they have a right to just say anything they want to say. See, they have a sort of an- anonymity. They're hidden behind that screen. So I can say anything I want to say. And they almost feel like it doesn't really even count. Because I don't know these people and I can say whatever I want to say. Unfortunately, as a church, you know, we want to keep up with modern technology, and we're all part of that. I, I go on Instagram and YouTube. I'm not a Facebook person, but, hey, I'm in all the social media stuff, too. I like it, and so do y'all. Nothing wrong with that. But here's the problem. That attitude has entered the church. Oh, yes, it has. And we get this idea that we're allowed to say and do whatever we want to do, and as long as we're telling the truth, then it's all right. Hmm? Yeah. We say a lot of rude things to each other. Uh, yeah. Where are we going to go with this right now? If you ever listen to some conversations, I've listened to, I listen to a lot of these conversations going on between people. And I'm going to tell you what, girlfriend. I got on the phone with her and I told her what for. I'm t- I told her. I just flat out told her. She's not going to treat me like that. I got to, uh-uh. You know, yeah, I know. That's right. Careful, don't say that out loud. (laughs) I'm just giving you fair warning. (laughs) And we're very proud. We're like, I told her the truth, and I knocked her off of her high horse. I'm going to tell you that right now. And 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 she thinks that she's going to talk to me like that, or she's going to do this thing, or she's going to do that thing. She's and we're very proud. And all of society honors you too, because they're like, boy, she's a tough one. Woo, she's so assertive. She will tell it like it is. Yeah, you're a strong one. You're a mighty one. Mm, that's honorable. Can I tell you something? It's not honorable. Anybody. As a matter of fact, the whole world does it. 
can open up their mouth and get mad and let it all hang out and let it fly and tell people whatever they want to tell them. It's not hard. It's not honorable. The whole world's doing it. There's nothing special or unique about you because you can open your mouth and be mad and be nasty and put somebody in their place, which, by the, by the way, means under me. I told y'all it's going to get a little rough, but now listen to me. The same God who wrote the love letter to tell you how much he loves you, that's the same God that said if he loves you, he chastises you. All right? So this comes out of the same love letter. Just want to remind y'all of that. <laughs> Just want to remind you. Now listen, I am a fan of telling the truth. And there are times we have to tell hard truth. There really is. But what makes the difference of when we're doing it in love and when we're not? Love. The minute that you get into the place where you're telling somebody something to bring them down a notch or two. When you're telling them the truth, you're knocking them off their high horse. I got news for you. You just stepped out of love. And while you may technically be correct, my darling, with all the love in my heart, and I really do love you, and I really do say this with love, with all the love in my heart, you're wrong. Jesus never told truth to knock a person down. He told truth to set a person free. And as the body of Christ, we are called to be imitators of God. And when we tell the truth, if the purpose of our truth-telling is anything other than to lift people up to the position of freedom that Jesus bought for them, then we need to rethink our position. Do you love God? Oh, I was, getting, I was getting worried for a moment. <laughs> oh, my, whoa, God, this is getting really serious in here. <laughs> How did he say you're going to love him? You're going to love others. You're going to love others, or else you're not doing good. You're not doing good. Now, listen. One time, Jerry and I, I got to tell you this. How do I know that that's true? How do I know that telling the truth has to come from love? One day, Jerry and I, we barely ever, we barely ever uh, argue. That's the truth. I mean, we have normal, no, I don't want to do it that way. You do it, no, you do it this way. No, you always do that, that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the nitty-gritty, get into an argument, and, you know, you're mad at each other. But one time we were having this argument. And my husband, if you know him, 8.30, he's going to bed. I don't care if there's a hurricane, there's a nuclear bomb coming, or you're having a fight. He's going to bed. That's it. He's going to bed at 8.30. That's the way the band rolls. And so it comes up on 8.30, and I'm seething. And we haven't finished what we were talking about. And I've got some things to tell him. And he says, i got to go to bed, dear. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Well, let me tell you something. I went in that living room, and I'm like, that's okay. He's got to work, and I'm going to spend his money. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> but when he gets home tomorrow, i got a few choice things to say to him. And he thinks he's right, but I've got Bible verses. <laughs> and I got my, and I'm stewing. And I'm talking to God about it, too, let me tell you. I'm like, God, you know he's wrong. Because you said it right here, right here in your word, right here. You said this, this, and this. And he's wrong, and, and, and I'm going to tell him tomorrow. And right in the middle of my ranting and raving, after about an hour, 
God said to me just as clearly as ever, so let me get this right, Teresa. The goal is to be right, but not to make peace. What? No, I, I want peace, but I do want to be right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but God, I ha- I, 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 there's verses. I got them right here. You said, yes, I did. What's your attitude, Teresa? Are you doing this out of love or is this self-seeking? Hmm? Is the idea to promote yourself or is it to promote peace and to have a right outcome? Listen to me. We are a society that we think that's honorable. Can I tell you what's honorable? When you can walk into some situation and somebody's aggravating the tar out of you and you can hold your tongue. And you can contain your emotions and you can talk to that person and you can tell hard truth. Listen, if I didn't believe in telling hard truth, I wouldn't be standing here right now. I believe in telling truth. But how you do it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. And God talked to me that night and he said, technically, Teresa, you're right. You are right. He's wrong about this. But your attitude is not of love. And so now you're just as wrong as he is because your motive was to prove him wrong. Your motive was, I'm right, you're wrong, I am superior. I hear so many people talking about, well, and I just had to put them in their place and I had to tell them so and so and such and such. And, you know, and, 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 and when you talk to them about this, this is what you hear. Well, Teresa, um, I'm just like that. I mean, I'm Italian. And in our family, we, we talk loud and we're, we're harsh. We talk to each other like that. I'm Irish. We have a bad temper. I'm just like that. That's how we do it. That's my personality. I'm Cuban. I'm Mexican. I'm this. I'm that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, let's talk about that just for a moment. First, let's look at this. You remember that little childhood saying that we used to have? Y'all remember this? Sticks and stones shall break my bones, but words shall never hurt me. Lie. (laughs) Flat out lie from the pit of hell. Yeah, it is. That's a lie. Proverbs 18.21. Let's look at that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Will eat its fruit. Can I just say something to you? If you go around spreading this kind of thing, do you know that's coming back to you? Oh, yes, I didn't make it up. I didn't, it wasn't me that said it. God said it. Love said that. Love told you that. You need to be careful what you're sowing. You're going to reap it. You need to be careful what you're sowing. And you certainly need to be careful what you're sowing in this body. Now, as far as, well, this is just my personality. This is just how I do it. I'm Irish. I'm Cuban. I'm Italian. I can't help myself. Oh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. I mean, 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are what? You are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? 
uh-oh, I guess being Cuban or Irish or Spanish or Indian or whatever else you want to blame it on is just not a good excuse. I guess it just doesn't really matter according to God. I mean, I don't know. That's what he said. See, most of the time when we come to this thing about truth telling and, and I just put them in their place, you know what's really happening? What's really happening is our own insecurities are showing up. And we're telling the truth. We're te- I, I put them in their place, which means somewhere under me. I knocked them off of their high horse, which means I think that they think way too much of their self, and I don't, I don't appreciate that. It doesn't mean I helped them to see the truth of the error of their ways because God loves them, and the way they were going is not right. It doesn't mean that. In other words, church, what it was was self-seeking and self-ambition. And I'm sorry, what does love say? Ooh, love is not self-seeking. It is not self-seeking. Now, can you tell truth and be honest? Yes, you can. I do it all the time. I go in there and sit with people and listen to their problems, and I get the Bible out, and I tell them what God said. But when I go in there to do that, the motive of my heart is, I'm going to try my best to help you, brother, sister, I'm going to try my best to show you what love said about this. There's a way out for you. I understand your heart. Yes, I am sure. (laughs) Even for you, Tiffany. There's a way out. Love has provided the answer. And so when I do speak the hard truth, and I will speak the plain truth, I don't sugarcoat it up and make it so they can't even understand what I'm talking about. By the end, I'll tell them the truth. But do you know most people will go out feeling love? Do you know why? Because I did love them. They'll go away with me having told them that they were wrong. But I did not put myself in a superior position like, well, this has never happened to me. (laughs) I mean, I've never had a problem like that. No, I'll tell them the truth. You know what? I've struggled with that before. And I stand before you tonight telling you that I struggle with this stuff too. Even as I preach this message to you, I'm guilty of this. I've done this. And if we're all honest, we've all done it. All of us have. It's the hardest thing not to just open our mouth and let it rip. I mean, we just want to, we just get aggravated and we just want to let tell people what we think and just get it off our chest. But God's calling us to be different. He's called us to be different than this. You say, well, Teresa, I thought you said that love's not touchy. They're not even supposed to hardly notice the wrong. Well, that is true. supposed to be offended. And we are going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about the other side of that, the side we hardly ever hear about. Do you bear responsibility for offending your brother? See, we don't, we don't, we don't hear a lot about that. We figure, well, it's their job not to be touchy. I can say what I want to say. I can do what I want to do. They're not supposed to be touchy. And I just, I'm just curious. Mature Christians have left the churches, have stepped down from the ministries that Jesus called them to, has gone off the track altogether and isn't even serving God anymore because somebody had to just tell them like it was. 
Somebody in the church needed to just tell them like it was. Hmm? Yeah. Do I bear responsibility? Let's look at Romans 14, 21. It is good. Now, he was talking about food laws here and stuff, but it gets a little stronger over in Corinthians. I'm not going to go there tonight, but you can go look for yourself where it says you sin against Jesus if you offend the weaker ones. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that, but I'm going I'm to give you this one tonight. It says, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do what? Anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Is made weak. Hmm? Do you bear responsibility? You say, well, Teresa, I'm not sure it's really that bad. I mean, okay, I, I, you know, I did, okay, I do know I did a few things, but uh, how do I know that I'm that bad? I mean, I don't think it's that bad. Well, let me ask you something, my dear brother or sister, my beloved ones. When you look behind you, is there a trail of bloody, bruised, battered bodies? <laughs> is there offended people left and right everywhere that you go? Hmm? Because if there is, well, let me just put it this way. You remember that old saying about if one person says that you are a donkey, you have reason to doubt it. But if 10 people tell you you are a donkey, that you better go look in the mirror. (laughs) Okay? So if you have a track record of people being offended by you and around you and leaving the church and everything else because of your mouth, well, maybe you're a donkey, baby, and you ought to start working on it. I mean, maybe that's just where it is. I'm sorry, (laughs) but not sorry. (laughs) Because God told me to tell you. (laughs) Uh, mm -mm. So this leads me to this question. Do you owe some people some apologies? Amen. Do you? Let's look at Matthew 5, 23. You say, I don't like to apologize. I mean, <gasps> that's embarrassing. Yeah, I know. It helps you to crucify your flesh. I'm going to tell you all a little secret. If you struggle with something like that, if you will go to people and you will humble yourself and you will apologize, do you know what will happen? You will stop doing it. Yes, you will. Because it is hard to humble your flesh like that. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I've had to do it many times. I don't like it. No more than you do. I didn't like it. It wasn't fun. So you know what happened? I started getting real conscientious about what I said. That's what happened. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, oh, I'm gifted. I sing. I give to the church. I tithe. I'm part of the prayer ministry. I I teach the children. I do all kinds of things. I love God. And there, listen, you brought your gift to the altar. And there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What is God saying to us right there? Sounds to me like he's saying, I'm not real interested in your gift when your brother is over there laying on the ground bloodied and battered by your tongue. Listen, I know it's harsh. It's harsh for me too. I got to work on it. But I am telling you, I did pray and I had this message already before, by the time I had last week's message. 
This is on God's heart. It's on God's heart. And I had some confirmation as well because Shirley even touched on some things that was in my message, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay? I know it's hard, but we have got to get this loving thing down. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy, listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What are we trying to do in this church? We are trying to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing in here, are we not? We've been contending for that, haven't we? I want that. Do you want that? Sounds to me like we're going to have to quit grieving the Holy Spirit if we would like him to show up and work for us. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and what? Be put away from you with all malice. And be what? Kind to one another. Tenderhearted forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Hmm. And so that brings me to my next part of this. God said we're not to go around offending each other, but some of you have been sitting in the church and listen, I know people do stuff and it's hard not to be offended, but you've been sitting in here for 10 years, five years, you've been going to church, you've been saved for a long time, are you offended? Hmm? Are you, are you sitting around holding on to it? And you've heard the messages and people have talked to you about it and they've told you what's wrong with it and you've heard the, the scriptures but you sit with your neck stiff. You are a stiff-necked people. I'm not going to forgive. They don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve it. Woo, hallelujah. Well, let's go look right here. Let's just go find out what love said about that, shall we? Now remember, whom God loves, he chastens. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But now let's do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. So now let me ask you, dear offended one, are you going to seriously sit there with your neck stiff and tell me that from the day that you got offended until you stand before your maker, you're okay to take all of the sins that you commit from now, from then until, until that time before the throne and you are going to stand proudly with your head lifted up and you are going to look at your God and you're going to say, yes, I know what you said about it, God, but they did not deserve my forgiveness. And so here I stand before you with my offense and all of my sins that I committed up until then. No, I didn't. Oh, you're not going to be able to tell them you didn't know because I stood right here and told you. That excuse is gone. So what exactly are you going to say in that day? What exactly are you going to say? Are you going to say, hey, you know... Um, yeah, I know I did some terrible things and, and I heard the parable about the guy that, you know, the judge forgave him his big old uh, 
debt that he owed, uh, but then he went out and beat the servant that owed him a small debt. But, um, well, I still think that I'm right. Hmm. Is that what you're going to do? I don't really think so. You say, but Teresa, they really hurt me. I know that. I understand that. And I know that the hurt's real. And I do know that people do terrible things to us. Listen, I grew up in a household where I got abused physically sometimes, mentally all the time, and sexually. I know about offense. And I know that everything in you thinks that if I forgive, I lose. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You lose when you fail to forgive. The only way you win is if you forgive. And here's the problem. We think forgiveness is a feeling. And we wait for this feeling to fall on us before we're going to obey. It's not a feeling. Listen to me. I'm telling you with everything that I know about forgiveness, and let me tell you, I do know something about that. It is not a feeling. It is an act of your will. And if you will be willing to go before your father and say, God, I'm willing to forgive them. Can you work that feeling in me? He'll, he'll meet you right there with that. Yeah. He will. He will meet you right there, and he will give you the ability to do it. He will. I promise you. But here's another thing. Look, your feelings are ruled by circumstances, but you may not ever allow your feelings to rule your faith. Your feelings are real. They're valid. I'm not discounting them. They're a good barometer for where we are in life and what's going on. They do serve a purpose. But you cannot be ruled by them. And they have proven scientifically. Do you know they've proven this? That your feelings will follow your actions. So in other words, today I get up and I don't feel that good, but if I will smile and act happy, you know what will happen? I'll get happy. So if you decide by an act of your will to forgive somebody and treat them with the love of God, guess what will happen? You will get delivered and you will begin to be okay with that person. Now Shirley shared a message and this just, I, this just I'm like, oh Lord, there it is. She shared her message. She said that she knows some people. She has known some people in the church who are so upset with each other that they literally would go to separate services just not to even be in the same service with each other. Oh, beloved, come on, come on. You're the body of Christ. We are knit and joined together. I didn't say they deserved your forgiveness, but did you deserve God's forgiveness? Oh, I didn't. Are you brave enough to take every sin that you've committed from the time that you got offended and stand in front of the throne of God without them forgiven? Anybody in here? Raise your hand. All right, then. So then that leaves you one choice. What is it? Forgive. Forgive. It's not that hard. We make it this big thing. We make it this thing where I have to hold my offense and it defines me. It's what makes me me. It's so bad. It happened to me. And it's all and 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 we hold on to it and we become identified by it. And you know what that does? Keeps you a victim. And God did not call you to be bound by anything. 
You are giving it power over you. You are giving it power. The other person doesn't have power unless you give it to them. It is up to you. You have control over your destiny. I know it's hard, and I know this is hard preaching, but it's truthful preaching. And it comes from the heart of love because it comes from God. It comes from the heart of love. He doesn't want this. He's wanting to do powerful things. He wants to grant us the power. He wants us to move in miracles and signs and wonders. But church, we got to work together. we got to take care of some business. we got to take care of some business. And we got to get serious about it. And you say, well, I don't really feel love towards them, and I did do an act of will. You know, I, I said I want to forgive them, but I don't feel it. What am I going to do with that? Well, do you know Jesus told you what to do about it? Let's look at 1 John 4.20. It's going to get a little tougher. If someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? He has not seen them. And you say, well, Teresa, I feel like I don't love, I, I, I don't, I feel, I feel like I hate them. I had those feelings. I'm standing right here telling you. And I told God, I feel like I hate them people. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to, but I feel like I do. Hate them. You know what Jesus made me do? Changed everything. Let's look at Matthew 5, 43 through 46. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And what? Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. Well, one day, I'm just going to tell you this little story. This is about something else. A, A different person than what I grew up with. The church I was in, I came into the church, and I'm just going to cut this part short. Basically, the woman got jealous. She got jealous because I came in, and before that, it was a smaller church, and she was basically the only person on the praise team who could semi-sing, okay? And so any, any, any events or anything like that, they basically would ask her to do it, all right? And then I showed up, and the pastor was like, Oh, I'm going to have you come and sing for this and do this and do that. And she got very jealous. Okay. And she got very ugly. Jealousy makes you ugly. It does. Don't go there. If you're feeling it, you get before God. And you find out what's in you. You, you, you celebrate what God put in you and stop being jealous of other people. It's ridiculous. Makes you ugly. And it's a weakness in you. Don't do it. We all are tempted to do it. I've been tempted to do it. But don't do it. Okay? And so anyway, for about two years, about every time I would show up, she'd have some little snide remark, some little something, some little, oh, well, we have too many sopranos on this stage, you know, after the pastor asked me to get up there and sing. Oh, well, that's not the way I would normally do it, but I guess we're doing things differently around here now. And, and I mean, it was just all over her. And I took it, and I took it, and I took it. And one night, 
I decided to put her in her place, which was at that moment under me. I'm going to tell you that right now. It wasn't love speaking that night. So I let her have it. And I felt justified because after all, for two years, she had treated me badly. And I had been as nice as I could be. I really had. But do you know what God said to me? You owe that woman an apology. And not only do you owe her an apology, you owe the pastor's wife an apology and everybody on the praise team because you dishonored the pastor's wife when she asked you to stop it. And you dishonored everybody. You made everybody on the praise team uncomfortable because you let it all rip and you made her cry. And I'm like, God, two years she's been treating me like this. That's not fair. You know what he said to me? Is it you that's been asking me for great things? Can you not follow the simplest of directions? Can you only follow directions that I give you if it seems fair to you? Oh, I'm like, ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I, I said ouch. It was hard. But one day I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I'm not feeling the love. Okay. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm in my mind. And God says, when are you going to do what I told you to do? I'm like, I did. I apologize. He said, that ain't all I told you to do. What else do I have to do? I told you to pray for her. Oh, okay. All right, Lord. Bless her. And that was just about as good as it got for that moment. I'm being honest now. I'm being real with you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm just like you, okay? <laughs> I'm like, okay, bless her. Oh, yeah, okay. And so I show up at church one day, and I had this butterfly pin on, and rarest thing I'd been praying every day for, bless her, Lord. That was it, bless her. And I have this butterfly pin on, and she liked butterflies, and there's a whole nother story I'll tell you about that, being my butterfly raising and stuff. But uh, So I had this pin, and she walks up to me, and she says, one of those really weird things, she says, oh, Teresa, I love that butterfly pin. That's so pretty. And I was shocked. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'm like, wow, she had something nice to say to me. Maybe that prayer thing's working. I don't know. <laughs> So I go home, and God says to me, why don't you get her one of those pens? I'm like, what? I don't get her no pen. She can get her own pen. <laughs> oh, I said, bless those who persecute you. All right. So I buy her that pen. Can I tell you something? The minute I did that, everything changed. It's like I broke the back of the devil that was on her and on me. I took that woman, that pin, and we became really good friends. She was so bowled over that she actually cried about a pin. And my thought was, oh, my word, if I'd have known it was going to work like that, I'd have bought her a pin two years ago. <laughs> Heaven help us. I could have saved us both a lot of trouble. <laughs> For a $14 pin, I could have done it. <laughs> Listen to me, church. God's way always works. Every time you choose not to do it his way, it don't work. Every time you choose to do it his way, it works. I know it looks like you're going to lose. I'm here to tell you you won't. You won't lose. You won't lose. 
Now, I'm going to touch on one more thing. I'm just going to read this one because I think we're fairly good with this one, but I do know there's an attitude, and then we're going to close. We're getting down to the end here, but let's look at 1 John 3, 17 through 23. But whoever has this world's good and sees his brother, his who? His brother, in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. There seems to be an attitude that I've noticed in the church. We see somebody in need, and we want to take this attitude of, oh well, it's not my problem. They shouldn't have got done whatever they did to get into that problem. You know, I'm, uh, yeah, I could probably help them. I could probably give them gas money today, but that's not my place. I'm not doing that. Right. Oh, oh, or this. Well, I'll pray about it and see what God wants me to do. <laughs> Let me help you. He wrote it down. He left you a note. How much clearer do you need it to be? Okay? Listen, I think that we use this. There's a ditch on either side of this road. Don't, don't misunderstand me. There are people that will take advantage. There are people that have been saved for 20 years and they're still living like the devil and they're reaping the benefits of that. That's not what I'm talking about here. You have to have discernment, okay? I'm not talking about that. And definitely anytime you're going to help somebody if they're not saved, remember that the biggest and the best thing you're ever going to give them is Jesus so that they can help themselves. This is not what I'm talking about. I want you to make the distinction. But I think that we've gone so far on the other side that we dismiss ourselves from getting out of our comfort. Well, I actually wanted to buy myself some news and an outfit this weekend, so I'm not going to give them any money to buy their groceries. Yeah, they've been in the church 20 years, and I realize that what happened to them is probably, you know, her husband died or something happened, and she's, but I'm not giving because that'll take away from me. I'll pray about it, sister. God bless you. Here's a verse. Here's a Bible verse. You go home and meditate on that until you feel better. <laughs> well, thank you, sister so-and-so, for your help. Listen, we tend to excuse ourselves a lot from doing, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, we do. Do you know that when we refuse to yield to God that we cripple Jesus? We do. We cripple him because we're his hands and feet. When I was married to my first husband, he had an accident. Now, that was a long time ago. I was 19. I've been married to Jerry 30 years, so I'm talking about a long time ago. And he broke his neck. And when he first came out of the hospital, this was quite a long journey, but he was a paraplegic. He was in a wheelchair, and what that means is that from the neck down, he had no use of his arms and his legs and but there was this tiny little bit of his spinal cord that had not been severed. And so what happened with time and with therapy is that he sort of regained, he regained most of the use on one side, but on the other side, it was like this. It was sort of useful, but not real useful. Sort of useful. In other words,
No brace on the foot. He could walk. He could use the hand. I'm afraid the church is just a little bit like that. We're sort of useful. I mean, we'll show up and we'll do our little ministry and we'll, you know, we'll do a few little things, but uh, we're not fully listening to the head. We ain't getting the full message. And we're just sort of useful to Jesus. Because we refuse, we're not going to do that love thing. And we're definitely not going to do that forgiveness thing. Not doing it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be sort of useful. Oh, heavy stuff, I know. Heavy, I know. Let's take a look at ourselves, church. Do we need to take a look at ourselves? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.31. 1 Corinthians 11.31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We would not be judged church let's look at ourselves and judge ourselves let's don't make God have to do it amen Amen. if we would do this let's look at John 15 7 through 17 what's the benefit of all this Teresa why if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, read it with me, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. In other words, will you lay down your life for Jesus to serve him the way he asked you to? Listen, if you will, he says you can ask whatever you will, and he'll give it to you. And he says your joy will be full, and he'll answer your prayers. I don't know about you, but I want that. Do y'all want that? Amen. Now, I want everybody in here to take a nice deep breath. And I want you to say, Jesus loves me, and love never fails. Amen. (laughs) Father, I thank you for this crowd tonight, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak into their life. And Lord, I do not take this lightly. Father, I ask that you would take the message that you told me to give them and that you would stir the most holy emotions in their heart. And Father, I pray that where the places are that we know that we have to change, that you would give us the strength and the humility to do it. And I thank you for it. I ask you to keep each one safe. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to this powerful message. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to www.wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.